absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan, and got a really special guest. This is kind of part of uh, of our Instagram series. We have the Kosha Panda, Emily, and we're going to kind of talk everything. Talk, you know, being an Instagram influencer, which she is getting up there in numbers and, and reach, and talking about her, her entry to golf, um, what she loves about the sport, and kind of what goes into making the videos that she puts online and everything, and just how she's become so enamored in the sport. So without further ado, welcome Emily. Emily, how's everything? Hi, um, everything's really great. I'm super excited to be on here. Um, I actually have never been on a podcast, and I've actually never watched a podcast, but I am actually, I'm looking for, um, I'm going to be watching them soon. I just haven't gotten into them yet, so it's kind of exciting to be on one before I actually see one. Well, welcome to your your first one. I mean, that's fantastic. We love the fact that Leave the Pin was uh, the first for you. And uh, and you and I have known each other a little bit through through Instagram over the past year or so, and you've built up, you know, quite a following. Um, you put out very entertaining videos. You you interact with so many people, kind of, you know, on on the daily. How has that experience been for you, being such a new golfer? Um, it definitely has caught me kind of by surprise because I started posting my golf. Um, content kind of like January of this year and I started playing golf July of last like last July so I didn't really expect it to take off as much but I mean I do have a public account and I do kind of use all the go-to hashtags for golf but um, it's really been such a crazy experience since it started kind of exploding a little bit um it's almost become become like a second job, um, Instagram, like just communicating and engaging with like all of the people that are in your community. And it's been really cool. Like you said, when we met, like we started, you know, following each other and it kind of just like our relationship kind of grew from there. And that's how I feel about a lot of the people that I follow and that follow me is that they're not really like followers. They're like people you've you know, develop relationships with that you talk to almost like every day, which has been really, really interesting and such like a blessing because I feel like I've learned so much more in such a short time because of all the influence that other golfers have had on me. Yeah, social media is such a a benefit in terms of growth for most people. And the one thing that I've found, and I'm sure you found as well, is that you know, golf, Instagram or golf, social media is normally very positive. People are out there looking to help. People aren't trying to degrade or anything like that. Um, in the beginning, being a new golfer, um, did you have any qualms? Were there any hesitations about posting your swing online? Like, cause my swing is awful looking, right? But it just happens to work and, and I know where the ball's going and I can control it. <laughs> But you look at my swing and you'll go, oh, like, Jesus, like, how does a human body, like, even get into that position? And then how do you even make contact with it? Um, so a lot of people I know 
And I've been with them out on the golf course. They're like, hey, man, do me a favor. You can film anything. Just don't film my swing because I'm not comfortable with it. Like, was there, was there any hesitation for you in the beginning to post what your swing looked like? Did you even know what it looked like in the beginning? Well, so my fiance is the one that took me out on the golf course for the first time. And honestly, I feel like now, like where I am now today, I'm actually a lot more like self-conscious about my swing than I was when I first picked up a club, which sounds kind of weird and backwards. But when I first picked up a club, like all I had was my fiance on the course with me. And he's like the biggest hyper ever. Like I touch something and he like hypes me up in the background and like, you know, really makes me feel good. <laughs> hysterical. Like in almost so many of my videos, I have to like cut him out a little bit because he'll, he'll be like, great shot, like nice swing, like looking good. And, you know, so having him there, like for like, since I touched a golf club has been really just like an incredible experience having someone that is so like supportive and encouraging of you. So I actually didn't care at all about what my swing looked like when I first started posting one, because I, no one was following me. <laughs> so it's not and, like, and you probably didn't even consider yourself a golfer at that time either. You know, it was probably just like, Hey, whatever, I don't care. Exactly. Like it was, it was so new and no one else was really looking at my posts except people I was already friends with in real life. So like, and I don't, none of my friends really play golf. So it wasn't like I had anyone who actually was going to like analyze my swing for me. But now it's almost the total opposite where I, I post my swing no matter what, and I'm going to continue to do so. But it has been a very different feeling because now it's almost like constant 24 seven feedback, whether it's positive or negative or constructive, which, you know, I accept it all. It makes you look at yourself differently when you're, you're just being like, you're under a microscope by all these golfers from all different levels that are, you know, looking at you. And it's just a lot different of a feeling than when I first started where no one cared at all <laughs> about like and, my swing or my journey. Right. And it probably seems like everyone is an expert because that's one of the biggest problems in golf is everyone believes that they're an expert. Now on the side, uh, I teach golf. I do lessons at a, a driving range, a local facility by me. And, you know, one of the biggest things that I see when I'm there with a, with a student is there's these guys, uh, usually it's guys, I say 99.9% .9 of the time, it's a guy just going up to a random person. The person didn't ask them for anything, no advice whatsoever. And they'll go up to them like, hey, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching your swing a little bit, man. And, uh, and, and you kind of come in a little bit inside out or so. And I hear these things and I'm looking at the person. So I'm like, that's not, that's not what they're doing at all. Like it's literally the exact opposite of what they're doing. But you've got these people that watch like infomercials or they watch, you know, YouTube, the rise of the YouTube golfer, uh, golf coach has been enormous lately. And then people take that information and then try to parlay it to other people, but they don't know the root cause and the symptoms is, you know, of their swing. And I've looked at, you know, obviously I follow you, some of your videos and stuff, and and usually I don't scroll through comments and stuff because it's you know it's irrelevant to me. They're about you, but I look at some of them, and you've got 15, 30 different people telling you 15, 30 different things. It, it, does that get frustrating to you when when 
you know, probably good naturedly, but everybody's trying to help and everybody's trying to throw out information to you. Yeah. So it is super overwhelming. And also, especially when they're like new, newer followers that like haven't been with you since the beginning and, and don't know like how hard you've been working and what you've been working on and whether you have a, like a, uh, what are they called? The thing that you do that you just said you did with kids. My brain is mushy. Oh, be, uh, like having an instructor. Yeah. Like I don't like whether I have a golf coach or not, like who's helping me. And so when quarantine first started for me, I was still like in school teaching um, up until like the end of March. So I didn't really start my quarantine till April. And I had got, I got a golf net and, you know, you know, balls and stuff so I could take full swings in my yard. And when I started doing that, I started posting all like my swings and that's when really all the feedback started flowing in. And for two weeks, I was just, I was, I was listening to all these different people saying all these different things. And I changed my backswing to make it um, steeper. And then because I did that, it made, um, when I come down in the swing, it was too steep and I wasn't shallowing the club anymore. And after like two weeks of just trying to like, listen to people and trying to accept their um, advice, like I got really frustrated, like really, really frustrated. And there's like a couple individuals that I do, I'm in like constant communication with about my swing. So they've known, they know me really well. And I'm telling them like how frustrated I'm getting. I'm like, I'm working so hard at this. And then like, I'm still getting all these things that I'm doing wrong. And it, it like, it was really discouraging for um, like after the two weeks that I was practicing so hard every day, trying to listen to every little advice. And then, uh, then he, my friend told me like, you, you can't like, you can't listen to eight different swing tips because that when is a good friend. <laughs> Cause um, do you, do you recall seeing a blooper video of mine where it was like the first thing good yep. and then all the rest were bad and then the yes. next falls. Okay. So he saw one of my drives where I like bombed it into my neighbor's yard. And he's like, I could literally hear all the swing thoughts that you were thinking in that moment that made you hit the ball, like pop it up like a rocket. Yeah, it's paralyzing at times. Yeah. And so that's when like, I realized that like, I love all the people who take the time to watch my swing and to help me improve but I know I can't like take every single person's swing tip or advice like I do have to focus on like the one or two voices that I've really you know connected with that know me really well and know me as an athlete but like I still like think the people were giving me the tips and stuff but I've realized that like if I want to keep you know focusing and improving the way that I am, it would be like impossible to like listen to every single person, especially when the tips contradict each other. And you're just well, like, wait. Yeah, that's, you know, one of, the, one of the biggest things I think that, you know, beginner golfers that are going to listen to this can take away from your journey in golf is the fact that, you know, the golf swing is sequential. So if you change one thing, Something else is going to change in the swing based off of that original change. And so any good teacher, like any really good teacher that's not out there just to make money and, and really wants to see you improve, will, will 
try to limit that information. Now, look, there might be there might be 10 things wrong with somebody's swing, right? But I can't tell them all 10 things at once because most people are not analytical enough to take all that information in and use it. You know, I might have to change one or two things at a time or it's one or two swing thoughts that you need. And and I think you reiterated that point perfectly that you can almost become paralyzed by having so much information. And again, these people probably are very good natured and they just kind of want to help. You know, they enjoy watching your videos. They enjoy seeing you on Instagram. They feel like they know you. But whoever that friend was, that friend is absolutely brilliant. You can take one or two things and, and that's it. Focus on those till those are perfect and then move on from there. Yeah, exactly. And also what was happening was that, you know, I would f- I would be working on one thing. So like working on my backswing, um, the takeaway, like just the takeaway. And then once I would finish like doing that for one day, I'd post a video and then someone like you get more advice to change something else. And like it wasn't giving me enough time to work on the takeaway. So, you know, I would work on a takeaway for a couple of days and move on to something else and then move on to something else. And I, I wasn't giving my body the time to develop like any sort of muscle memory. So that that's like another change that my friend like helped me make was that like if I'm changing something or working on something like I need to work on it till I can do it over and over and over again consistently and not have to think with 110% of my brain for that one thing. <laughs> and so like, that's what I feel like golf is like for me a lot is that like, I'm, I'm thinking with 110% of my brain as a newbie because I'm so unfamiliar with all of the moves and how your muscles work that like, I have to think very actively about what I'm doing. Whereas tennis, which was my sport, like I can perform all the moves in my mind and know exactly what's going to happen and how my body's going to move and where the ball is going to go. And golf is not like that for me. <laughs> so when you're out practicing, because here's a this is this is a question that I ask you know a ton of my students all the time and, and friends and stuff like that too. And and everybody's completely different. When you're out practicing and you're on the range, are you, what are you working on now specifically? So. Unfortunately, I am still recovering from my back injury, <laughs> but um, so I, I'm not actually working on anything with my swing because I, I, I can't swing. So I've been working on putting, but the last thing I was working on on my swing was um, shallowing out the club, okay. which, I, which I do think is actually a lot bigger of a thing to work on than just shallowing out the club. I think there's a lot more that it's not just like you shallow out the swing. It's like, there's a lot of other steps that you need to do to shallow out the club, the, your, whatever the club. So I'm working on that, that part of my swing. So I'm not coming down too steep on the ball. Now, are you somebody that can take in a ton of different swing thoughts? Like, when you're out on the course, are you actively, like, you know, when you, before the back injury occurred, when you were out playing, are you somebody that is consistently thinking before each shot, like, okay, I need to be in this position, then I need to get here, and then I need to get there? Or are you more of just one of those feel players when you're out there? Um, so... Before my back injury, I, our course had just opened up. So I actually only got in two rounds of nine 
And honestly, I, I wasn't thinking really about anything except um, making contact with the ball and like visualizing where I wanted to hit it, which was, I was focusing on my pre-shot routine because I never had one before that moment where I first played nine this season. I never had a pre-shot routine. And I feel like that is something that I didn't realize how important it is. And the way that I'm doing my pre-shot routine, I think is crucial to me hitting like a clean shot because like I'll take my, I'll take one practice swing and then I'll, I'll walk behind the ball and visualize where I'm hitting it. So the last thing I'm thinking about is not like shallowing my club or like where's my body position, but like, where do I want my ball to go? And I actually learned that from someone on Instagram because I saw her pre-shot routine and I was like, I don't have one. And I realized <laughs> like all golfers, like a lot of golfers do have pre-shot routines. And I mean, I have one in tennis when I'm about to serve. So why don't I have one in golf? And so when I heard her say like the reason why she stands behind the ball right before she hits is so she's not thinking about her swing. She's just thinking about like the ball, like be the ball, like where do you want the ball to go? Like where you're aiming at. And I found that 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 was so helpful. Yeah, that's that's the kind of the old Caddyshack uh, axiom, you know, be the ball, Danny, be the ball. And uh, and you're right. I mean, it. You know, it's it's funny in golf is that we tend to overanalyze golf so much more. Um, you know, for example, if, if if you were sitting across from me and I threw a ball to you, you would catch that ball. You wouldn't let it hit you in the face. But you're not thinking about catching that ball, right? The thought process isn't there because it's a moving object and it's reactionary. And like for me, that's the one thing I always try to have happen in golf is I just try to make it reactionary. Like I tell people all the time, like they'll say, I don't understand how hard this game is because the ball isn't even moving and it's right there. And I said, well, the only reason you're not hitting it is because you're overthinking, right? And I try to tell people all the time, like this game is so easy because the ball's not moving. You know <laughs> where it's going to be. Like, so I, I mentioned before, like how crazy my swing is. And, and there's videos up on our Instagram page for, and you can see it on our stories and stuff here and there. But I have a super, 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 um, really kind of like an under the table, low flat swing. Right. And I actually take my head completely off the ball, look away from it. And my one buddy was, was filming me the, the other day and he says, I, I can't even do that if I tried. I said, well, a, no, you can't. I said, you don't have the hand eye coordination. And he said, but dude, he <laughs> said, he said, you're not even looking at the ball at one point. And I said, yeah, so, so what? He's like, well, like, what? How do you go and look back at it again? I said, you don't understand. It's so easy because the ball's not moving. I know where it is, right? It's a, the ball's not going to move on me. Like, so it's irrelevant that I move off of the ball because the ball's not going to be anywhere else than where it stayed in the beginning. And if you can kind of get people into that mindset that, you know, it's like, hey, the ball's not moving. It's not trying to trick you, you know, like, no one's throwing a curveball where it looks like it's going to go straight and then it drops. It's right there. So just hit it. And that's a great point you make because it's like just be the ball. Don't don't make it any harder than it needs to be, right? Because this game is difficult, let's be honest. So don't make it any harder by paralyzing yourself with all these different swing thoughts, especially when you're playing. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
but like it's really interesting how you're talking about like how you can like look away and then look back down um I like just made a post about this like an hour ago about like my putting and stuff and how I find it really difficult to read uh the greens and read like the slope of the green and I explained that like I had um crossed eyes when I was born and had corrective surgery to make them straight and that kind of led to me not having binocular vision which is what most people have like they look um they see like see with both their eyes at the same time but like when you don't have that you have binocular vision where your eyes are not like aligned together so when I'm standing over the ball whether it's like a normal like a driver or an iron or or a putt like sometimes I notice that like I'm looking at the ball and then my eyes will switch I'll I'll be like dominantly looking at through my right eye and then I'll switch to my left eye without me realizing and then now the ball's in a different spot like very slightly or the way that it's it's really weird and I've been doing a little bit more research about this to try to understand better like if like having binocular vision really does affect like how you see the golf ball. Cause like I play tennis, I've always played sports and I was able to be successful in them. So like, obviously whatever I have with my eyes is not that big of a deal, but I don't know. I, I don't know if it's like different for golf because you know, it, it's such a smaller ball. And then like the greens, there are like different slopes that are, that I can't really see the depth or the rise in the greens. Like it's really hard for me to see unless it's super obvious and like you're on a super high hill and you know, it's going to go down. But otherwise it's, I kind of just like putt blind sometimes because I don't see any difference. It all looks flat to me. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's super interesting. And you know, it's funny because I want to touch on that tennis point um, first and I'll get back to the eyesight thing. You know, with tennis and, and most other sports, everything happens in front of you, right? You, you kick a soccer ball to a, a goal in front of you. Um, you know, when you're shooting a basketball, it's, it's in front of you. When you're you know, hitting a tennis ball over the net, it's to a opponent that's in front of you. And golf is one of those sports that you play side saddle. So the, the, the vision in and of itself is completely different because you're not looking straight on at what's happening. You know, if you're looking down at the ball and then you turn your head – to see the green or, or whatever your aim point is, it looks different than if you stood behind the ball and were looking with both eyes forward. Um, and, you know, with the difference between monocular and binocular vision, it's very interesting because, you know, obviously I can't see what you see or how you see things, right? And vice versa. But it would be very interesting to, to you know, if there was some way, um, whether it be through technology or something, that, you know, you could see what, like, let's say a tour pro sees when they're over the ball, right? And how much different that is than what you see. That would be something that would be, I mean, just just mind-blowing. Now, you said, like, when you putt blind, do you notice that there's a, is there a certain miss that you have that, that you could correct for? Or is it just kind of all over the place? Because I've seen your putting videos, and I mean, maybe it's great editing, but you drain a lot of them. <laughs> well, I'm also picking the ones that I make. <laughs> but, um, so, so I've been really, really focusing hard on like reading the greens better, like getting literally like on the floor to try to like see the way the greens fall. And I also have started looking at like kind of the surroundings as well, like seeing um, 
not just in front of you, but if you look like kind of at the green as a whole, you you can better see some of the the ways that the green will droop or not or rise. Um, so also for a lot of those putts or some of them, like maybe I put it once and saw the the way that it was going and then adjusted for that. But the one that I just posted had a crazy break from right to left. Like I almost had to aim off the mat and like, I can't see that at all. Like I only was able to read that because of how many times I hit it and realized that it broke that way. Gotcha. But um, unless like, cause like um, with, with minocular vision, you have a very serious lack of depth perception or like, it's just not there at all. Um, and I was tested as like a kid with a computer screen where like you, if you have binocular vision and depth perception, you can see the images, the cube, it's a cube, but I saw it as like a flat square. And that's when they told me I could never fly a plane. I was like, okay, well, I'm not a big heights person. So I guess I can, I could live with that. But, um, your eyes do compensate in other ways. Like, even though I don't have great depth perception or can't really see that well in 3d like when i go to the movie theater i can't see in 3d so i I don't go to 3d movie theaters like you know when you get those glasses and sure i don't nothing pops out at me (laughs) but um i i learned this in psychology but like your eyes can use other cues to see depth like if you know something is in front of something else it's closer to you and like that's obvious but there's other ways to also see depth through like shading and shadows. And so um, I guess over time, like you're, you just learn to use those other cues instead of like having the natural 3D vision that most people have. Right. And the body is, is amazing at adapting, you know, um, when you're feet, when you're about to putt, have you ever tried reading the greens by feel by your feet? Um, you know, and by that, I mean one of the things that you'll see a lot of people do, and the reason they do it is, let's say you have a 15-foot putt. You look at it, and you say, well, I don't think it's breaking much. And people will go up to, like, let's say the five- or six-foot line and take a line over the ball there, take a stance over the ball or the line of the ball there, and kind of just get the feeling with your feet. Uh, and I mention this because I played, I played out yesterday at this course called Raven's Claw that's hosted the, uh, the LPGA Symmetra event. And some senior open qualifiers, et cetera, et cetera. Great little course outside of Philly. And the greens had a lot of movement, but it was very subtle. And it was one of those things like if you had a caddy or if you were a member, you would know those those breaks. But as someone coming down and playing the first time, I'm looking at it with the sun kind of, you know, shining bright and it's going down a little bit at the end of the day. And I so many times I would look at a putt and I would read it, let's say left to right. I get over it and I'm going oh my God, like this is doing the exact opposite. I'm feeling the exact opposite of what I'm seeing, you know, and, and, and that's what makes green reading so tough. And it's, it's almost a completely separate entity in golf, you know, just like the, the putting motion or your putting swing, if you will, your stroke, as opposed to your actual swing, they are two completely different things. I mean, it's, you know, it's like baseball where you have to be able to bat, but you also have to be able to field. Same thing in golf. You have to be able to have a great golf swing, but if you have a great golf swing and you can't putt, 
you're never going to be any good. And then vice versa. You could be a great putter, but if you have no good golf swing, you know, you're, you're not, not going to be. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's golf is so wild in the fact that they are two completely separate entities. You know, like if you saw somebody putting and you didn't know anything about golf and you saw someone putting and you saw someone hitting balls, you would say, well, the only similarity between those two is the golf ball. They look nothing alike. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wild, wild sport. Um, so listen, so walk, walk me through, because you mentioned tennis was your first love. Tennis was your sport. How, how do you get into golf with having never played up until what, what age did you start playing at? Well, I just turned 26, like a couple weeks ago. So I started playing when I was 25. So, I mean, you know, most people will say that that is relatively late to the game. Um, I don't think it's that late. Like I didn't start playing until I was 18, 19. Um, you know, I didn't grow up like a country club kid or, you know, where I was around golf till I was, you know, when I was like four or five years old. I mean, I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world till I was like 18 or so, you know, my, my buddies were like, Hey, come and play golf. I'm like, no, that's dumb. I'm not doing that. Um, and then, you know, look at me now, how, how did, how did you get, how did, what was your first experience like in golf? Oh, it was like magical. <laughs> I'm like not even joking. Um, we were on vacation in Palm Beach, and this is when um, my fiance's dad was still a member of Banyan. I think he's still a member. He's just on like a medical leave or whatever. And Banyan Country Club in Palm Beach, and it was kind of in the like in the later afternoon, probably three or four, and. Um, there weren't that many people at the club. And so we went out and it was like empty and the sun was setting as we were playing. And I had never felt like that feeling at all. It was like so tranquil and peaceful. It like felt like you were literally in another world and any, any problem or concern or, whatever in your mind that bothers you on a daily basis or worries you or concerns you like just melted away. It was like the most beautiful. I thought I was in like heaven. Like it was just so, so special. And I know that like that doesn't happen that often where you're all by yourself on a golf course. But I think because of who I was with and the setting, it was just like, I was like, I want to do this like for the rest of my life. Like how can you not want, to experience this moment over and over and over again. And I mean, it, look, if there's, if there's a golf company that needs someone to, you know, write an ad read for them, I think you're the woman for that job. I mean, that, that <laughs> what you just mentioned, I mean, literally sums up what I think so many golfers feel when they're out there. And it's one of the things that non-golfers can't understand. Like, you just mentioned my my perfect setting on a golf course, playing till the end of daylight, you know, when the sun goes down, two or three people out there, no one else around, you get the whole place to yourself, like, yes, that sign me up, that's perfection. Yeah, it was it was amazing. And what really shocked me about my first time playing golf was that I, for my entire 25 years of life, golf was the most uninteresting like least exciting sport besides 
everyone's going to hate me who listens to this. I never found baseball that interesting, except when you actually are at a baseball game in person. I find that kind of exciting. But like, not, I from- won't hold it against you. Okay, <laughs> I won't. I promise. But I, I have, I've heard that. I've, I mean, I've heard that before. It's not basketball. It's not hockey. It's not football where there's where there's constant action. There's ebbs and flows to the game, just like there is golf. So uh, you know, I, I love both the sports, and I, I love watching both the sports as well as playing. But I completely understand as well. But like. I thought, like, this is, like, my assumption that, like, golf was, like, not exciting, like, boring, slow, whatever. And I'm sure it's the same with baseball. I'm sure it's, like, a very exciting sport and very athletic. But, like, because I don't play it, I don't I don't know from personal experience. But with golf, I was like, okay, this is going to be really boring. And I'm just going to be, like, what am I – I'm bored. But every moment that I was on the course that day, like, my adrenaline was – through the roof. I don't know. Maybe I was just like high or something on life, but <laughs> I genuinely believed like every moment of that was exciting for me. Like every shot, every hole, it was just like so, so engaging and like thrilling for me. Um, I don't know if that's cause I was so new and like, didn't really know what to expect. Cause I know like when you're on a course and you have like a slow foursome in front of you, it, it, it's not as exciting and not as um, fun. It could be a little bit more draining, but I, I feel like I had such a great first experience that it kind of set me up for where I feel like I am today. All right. Is- most, most golfers will say the one, like, especially the ones that suck, you will hear this all the time. And I'm sure you've heard it. They'll be like, well, that's the shot that keeps me coming back. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> can you remember from that first round, the shot that that kind of hooked you was there a moment was there was there a swing that that just felt pure and you were like yep that's it i got i got the bug i'm hooked um i actually have it on my instagram um it was like my first time ever swinging a driver and it was over like a like a water like water right and getting over that water i was like Oh my God. Like, how did, how did I do that? Like, it was, I was just like amazed at myself. I know that, wow, that sounds really like conceited, but I just like, didn't know that I was physically capable of making a shot like that as like the first time on a golf course. And it was, it just like stuck in my mind because, you know, I, I just felt like really, really proud because, you know, golf is not an easy sport. And most of the shots I hit that day were like not great shots. I lost a lot, a lot of balls. <laughs> but um, so when I land, when I hit this shot, I was literally like jumping up and down with my club, like really excited. And I'm sure you've seen me jump up and down a lot in my post because I, I think what people don't forget about is that when you take videos on Instagram, like most of the time, it's not your first shot. Like, and if it is, you're like, Whoever that is, is a very skilled person. But most people take a couple tries to land a trick shot or to, you know, post whatever they want to post. So when I cheer, like, it seems like I'm super overly excited about something not so, like, exciting. But it's because I took so much time to actually complete the shot or, you know, land the putt or I'm not even saying the right words now. But um, I hope that that was kind of clear. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, it you know, it makes perfect sense, but I think it's also awesome because there's so many people too that get knocked down from the game, right? Like I I've spoke I have I have a lot of pros that are, you know, good friends of mine and they will tell you to a man and to a woman that golf is one of the most frustrating games in the world to be a professional at because you literally lose, you know, 95 to 97% of the time. You know, take take Tiger out of the equation and most <laughs> tour pros lose and experience losing 95% of their career. Now, imagine that if you were, you know, whatever, you're you're a teacher, you're you're an i tech guy, you're uh, you know, you work in sanitation, you're a doctor, whatever. Imagine if you experienced losing oh 95% of the time. And I know they get paid well. I get it. You know what I mean? But the the overriding goal is to go out and win a tournament. So if you play five to 700 tournaments in your lifetime and you win two or three of them, I mean, th those percentages suck. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's so true. So I think when people see you celebrate, I mean, I think that in and of itself should be celebrated. You know, it, it, it's like because golf knocks you down so much that you need to take um, solace and you need to take joy from from any little thing you can get from the game and I think that's what keeps people coming back you know yeah and I what, like talking about this makes me think of like one moment that I've had on Instagram that that was very close to kind of derailing me from this journey on Instagram like I I probably would I would have still played golf but I just maybe would have just not I would have kind of shut down the kosher panda thing. Um, not trying to like name drop or anything, but I want my blooper video, the one where it says like, you know, I have like one of my better swings followed up by like the net flowing on me, shooting them into my neighbor's yard. It got like reposted on this account that you post like kind of hack jobs, like people missing. And I, I didn't even know what this account was. So when I, when I, was sent it by another person. I was like, oh, should I follow this account? Like, and they're like, oh, you don't really need to. I was like, why is it that bad? Like, were people like ripping me apart? And then the person was like, oh, not so much. You just don't need to read it. But so of course that made me want to read it. <laughs> and yeah. oh my God, this was like the worst morning I've had in a long time. It was just like 30, 40 comments of these guys like anonymous people just like ripping me apart like a vulture on prey uh, like saying how like how my swing what like the their my expectation should be the reality like as in like my better swing was not a good swing at all and basically what I got at out of this was a conversation I had with one of the guys who was not being very nice to me and his issue with my post was that I called my my better swing an expectation he said that like if majority of the golfers wouldn't want that swing to be their expectation you shouldn't like you shouldn't label that swing as an expectation and that made me think like so you're saying that like my expectation of myself has to be the same as every single other person out there. And that it was telling me that 
the only people who should be posting their golf swings are professional golfers, not like anybody else that picks up a golf club. And it didn't make sense to me, but like it kind of did when I, when I realized like what he was trying to say. And once he knew that, like, I just started playing golf, he just said like, I wouldn't have posted my swing as my first year. I, I wouldn't have put like heart emojis on my swing the first year I started playing. And I mean, I get that, but like, I'm not posting for and telling people like, this is what you do when you swing. I'm not like giving like lessons or giving swing tips or advice. I'm getting that from the community. I'm, I'm not like pretending I'm this amazing golfer. I, I, I say constantly I'm a beginner. And I just said like, I'm like brave enough to post my swing. Like, why are you trying to discourage anybody who, who has the courage to, to try something new to not do it anymore. Like people were saying, Oh, like you should shy away from golf and like all these horrible things. I'm like, I would never discourage any athlete or any person from trying something new and just trying to get a little better each day. Like I don't see anything wrong with that at all, but like, obviously I got like trashed on this account, but, um, I'm well, look, there, there, there are a lot of words that I could use for those type of people, right? But I always try to keep this podcast relatively clean. So <laughs> I'll just say that, that those are people that need a hobby, okay? You can, people that know me well can, can probably spout off 100 names that I would, you know, say about them. But, you know, for everyone out there that is, let's say, getting into golf social media or, um, you know, or follows people on golf social media, re- realize that, you know, hopefully you have enough intelligence to to realize that just because you follow someone doesn't mean that you know them or that they're your friend you know like you know that's 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 like serial killer stuff that's like stalker stuff when you follow someone on instagram like oh yeah that's yeah i i know her well she has like five million followers oh well yeah but you know it's like she's talking to me you know those it's that type of people that are that are putting that stuff out there so I know it's easier said than done, but that's something you need to kind of throw in, let in one ear and then completely out the other because, uh, you know, I mean, they're, it's mostly just a waste of breath. Those people, they're just wasting other people's oxygen for the most part. Um, for, for, for the Instagram account though, and that's okay. So I was going to ask you, you know, I was leading to what, what positive and negatives you've had with it. And that, that's, you know, that's a pretty big negative right there. What positives? (laughs) Uh, have come out of it that you that you wouldn't have had happen if you didn't start the account so one thing just it's kind of like an umbrella thing but like the relationships that I have built um and formed with different individuals through Instagram and like this the shared love of golf like there are people that I've met through golf here that like I literally talk to every single day for the past three months. And I, even though I haven't met some of these people in real life, like I, I have like a real, you know, connection and relationship with them. And that has been like incredibly special, especially during um, this pandemic where like no one can like hang out with people anymore. Like you can't like go to your friend's house. You can't, there's a lot you can't do. And I think that has allowed like so many people to 
like form new, new relationships like online, which sounds kind of weird, but um, I've made some really strong friendships and I've met a lot of female golfers, which I honestly, I've played golf, I think with one woman since I started last summer. And that woman was like an older woman at the club that we were at last year that we met and she wanted to take me out. And it was like the third time I ever played. Um, and for me, it's like what I feel like I'm missing in golf right now. And I'm not missing a lot because I feel like I'm so fulfilled um, in my golf journey right now. But I, I want more female companionship in golf. And because um, of COVID, like we're, I can't really meet anyone at the club I'm at now. And you can't really um, play, you can't bring guests. And so I, I still have not met any women to play golf with. I've only played golf with like my fiance and some of his friends. So I've been playing golf with like men and I'm not gonna lie, I love playing golf with men, but like you're at the front tees and they're at the back tees and the feeling of like, of men waiting for you as you're teeing off after they've already hit their shots that like I don't think men experience because they're all at the same tee together but when you're a woman and you're like at the at, I'm at the front tee like I can just like I just get this like weird feeling inside sometimes when I hit like oh like they're waiting for me like I gotta make it a good shot like I gotta keep up with them this distance wise but like I really I found some really awesome female golfers and unfortunately one of my closest golf um girlfriends lives in the UK so I can't actually play with her but she um like having those new relationships is something that like I think is the most positive thing that's come out of this Instagram thing golf journey well that's that's very cool and that's a it's an interesting point that you make about having that feeling of of golfers waiting on you. Uh it's probably the same thing people experience when they're asked to play through a group like oh hey do you want to play through and you try to rush your swing and the shot sucks <laughs> and you're like oh I'm sorry I'm sorry and you apologize and you just try to get out of there like the whole oh never gosh. happened. Um and it's funny because you know now with COVID-19 and everything that's going on um you know most people if you're taking carts everyone's in a separate cart and that's the one thing that i've noticed over these last few rounds that i've played and these courses have been carts only so i haven't been able to walk is the fact that the rounds are going much quicker which i love by the way you know that's fantastic because you don't have you know the the you have the old people let's say and you know they both drive to the person's ball on the right side of the fairway and wait for them to hit then they both drive to the other side of the fairway and at least this way it goes much quicker but there's a big disconnect and I think that's what you're kind of getting at is there's, you know, when you're playing from different tees, there is a big disconnect. There's that whole entire time when you could be BSing with them on the tee box that you're not. And then vice versa. And the same thing with the cart situation nowadays. It's the fact that, you know, everyone goes off and scatters and then you see each other on the tee box and then you see each other on the green. But over the course of a 10 to 15 minute hole, you're really only together for like two, three minutes at a time. And that social aspect is is starting to deteriorate a little bit, in my opinion, as far as when you are using carts. Yeah, I, w I would definitely agree with you. Um, like, you show up at the, your tea time, you go, and then you immediately leave. Like, you know, there's no, like, after, after round 
um, socialization that you used to have. And, you know, you don't have like the, the, at our club, we don't have the cart halfway through either where you get like snacks and drinks and you also get to socialize. So, yeah. And then, so now like when when we're out there, it's like you, you literally only see people. You don't communicate or get to even say hi to people because they're so far away on the other hole. So, I mean, it definitely is something that's missing, but like, then again, like I just feel so lucky to be in like a, a place where like the course is open. Cause I know like some people in Ireland, I was talking to someone from Ireland yesterday who said that um, for the courses in Ireland, like the, the clubs are open, but like if you don't belong to the club, you can't go. And he, he's part of this like golf society and they go to different courses, but because he doesn't belong to a single club, he, he can't golf now. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that sucks. I, I went through it here in PA where at the beginning of everything, golf was not considered essential and uh, everything was closed, you know, March and April, even May. Um, luckily, I had a local nine hole course that was just kind of letting people pay through an honor box and we could walk around. Um, but I, I was down in North Carolina for a month. You know, I just went down south because there was nothing open here whatsoever. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you and for the people that listen to us, but maybe don't follow you yet. Um, when they hear this, explain the Instagram handle, the kosher Panda. Oh, this is, (laughs) um, I'll make a long story short middle school. Um, there was a girl who wasn't very nice to me and she was a year older than me and um, we got in like an argument in the hallways about, I don't know what. And then she called me a kosher egg roll, <laughs> but like in a nasty way, because I'm Jewish and Asian. I think that was like her way of like calling me a bad name. So she called me a kosher egg roll. And when it happened at the time, like one, I actually never really cared about uh, like racist or discriminatory remarks as I as I was young because I don't think I picked up on it that much like I never really noticed it even if it was in my face I just like kind of like felt like you know it was all a happy place when it obviously wasn't and as an adult when I look back on that I was like you know what like I am Jewish and I am Asian like I'm gonna embrace that because they're both who I am and I just made it a little cuter because I don't, I didn't want like to have to put a egg roll on all of my golf stuff. So um, that's where the kosher panda came <laughs> from. <laughs> I, I, I love the ownership of it, right? I mean, it, you know, people are people, no matter what you do for a living, no matter, you know, where you came from, no matter what people are people uh, and there's good and bad, you know what I mean? So the good people hopefully will always shine through and you can't be you can't be embarrassed of of who you are like who wants a world where everything's the same that's like the dumbest thing i've ever heard like who the hell would just want to eat vanilla ice cream every day like who would want to have cereal for every meal that sounds awful you know variety is great who would want to play the same golf course every single day for the rest of their life and never experience 
a different course. Uh, I don't want to sign up for that. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. That's, I mean, I mean, now, like, most people have, like, more than one thing in them, like, biracial, triracial, like, everyone is, so many people are now a mixture of, like, many different things like everybody is a mixture there's if someone's going to tell you that they are I, I don't, what would you even call it? i call it purebred because that's what <laughs> like you re- re- reference a dog like you know but like if you think you're purebred like you're an idiot you're not like go get a dna test done i mean i'll, I'll bet my life savings on it okay <laughs> i know but it's like i feel like if you are like i have to be able to accept the good the bad that happened through Instagram because I am putting myself out there so I have to accept that I'm going to get you know positive feedback negative feedback and also just like plain old cruel feedback and I don't know if we have time I have like a short tiny story that like is the second horrible 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 thing that's happened to me on instagram there's only been two that stand out which is i'm very thankful for because i'm sure that like when you get really big it's just an influx of just like trolls like all day long (laughs) yeah (laughs) but um, yeah let us know i don't want to end on that note i don't want to end on a negative note but go ahead tell us that that story as well then um so you know like the dude with the sign yes Uh, he holds signs and with phrases on them so I kind of like teamed up with someone I'm close with on Instagram and he made a sign and then I made a sign and so my sign said fix your divots and it got reposted on a Facebook group that has over 50,000 people in it predominantly men all men I would say and one of my um people in my community reached out to me and said that oh your your picture was reposted in this group and I was like oh okay so I went and followed I joined that private Facebook group and oh my god this was like actually so much worse than what happened with the like the hack blooper video because every comment was about how flat my chest was like um before you fix your divots, why don't you fix your chest? Or, you know, the fairway, the, the, what is it? The, your chest is flatter than the cardboard. (laughs) Like it was, I was like shocked. I was like, oh my God, this is one, this is really embarrassing. And two, like, this has nothing to do with golf. And like, why is like one, I didn't post this in this group. And it was just really awful seeing like how all these men and golfers that's all they were fixated on. I was like, you know what? Like I've accepted my genetics and my body like a long time ago. And I'm not going to let like this group of testosterone filled men tell me that like, I look like a man because I don't have large boobs. And I'm not sure how much testosterone they actually had, (laughs) but it was like, I was like, like, can we just focus on like the fix your dip? Like, why do we have to like, look at like, that you know it was just I was like this is like what you know I'm sure all these female golf influencers or all the women on on Instagram that post about golf probably like go through especially like the women that are really big right now on Instagram and golf and it's it's I just feel like it's so much more about like 
your looks when you're a woman than it is actually how you play golf. And I think that's just something that like, I know I'm going to have to not think about and not like let get to me because it feels so personal. I mean, like there's just some things you can't control. And if you're going to like crap all over me because of that, I like, I was born with it. Like, what am I going to do? Like, it's not in my control. So, you know, I just, that was really difficult for me to handle. And the person who posted it follows me. And it was just like beyond my, like, I could not comprehend why, like, he would do that if he like supports me in my journey. And then like, let all these men like destroy me, like, and my like self-esteem. It was very bizarre. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a, a good. Um, uh, what do I want to say? Um, kind of good food for thought um, when you when you do put yourself out there on Instagram. You know, I mean, there's there's obviously disgusting people out there. It's the bottom line. Um, they probably suck at golf, too. Um, they probably <laughs> suck at life. Uh, you know, it just kind of is what it is, um, unfortunately. And, you know, reposting stuff without people's permission sucks in the first place. You know, I've had that happen to me and people have used, you know, my pictures or videos or even snippets of the podcast. And I'm like, okay, man, like I'm not, this is not an enormous operation. Like it's not a multi-million dollar operation. You know, at least give credit, you know, that's the bottom line, but people are lazy. Um, and by nature, you know, Americans are, are lazy, if you will. And, uh, you know, they love to, uh, they love to just take stuff and post stuff without thinking about the people that, you know, are behind it. Um, but I think, and I think you'll agree that, you know, for the most part, the Instagram golf community is very positive. Um, and then, you know, when you see the negativity, it's very easy to weed it out. You know, it's very easy to just hit the block or unfollow button that that kind of becomes uh, your friend. Uh, I want to get you out of here on this note. Who, if anybody, have you met through Instagram that has kind of changed your swing or maybe your perception of golf the most? Has there been anybody? Um, there's so many people. So I mean, I I can choose like one, but it doesn't mean that this. Yeah, and you don't you don't even have to name drop if you don't you know what I mean you don't have to name drop to to hurt anybody's feelings. So it's kind of funny like this I I I came I like watch swings like religiously on Instagram and I have like all these folders set up for like driver iron tips wisdom short game it's like pretty scary but um so I found this girl and I just loved her swing so much. And, you know, I started following her. We started chatting. Like, I, I like all her videos and posts on them. And then, like, she started, help, like, kind of giving me pointers on my swing. And, like, she would name one thing that, like, oh, you have a chicken wing or whatever. And sent me videos and kind of, like, helped me, you know, work on that. And, and like, it was so funny. I, I, like, I just thought for whatever reason that she was, like, my age or she's, like, 15 or like 16 years old and it just like blew my mind because this girl is so much more mature and graceful and eloquent than like so many of the people that you know you can encounter on Instagram and this girl like really just was just she's so helpful and so sweet 
and wise beyond her years. Um, but she's been so, so helpful in my golf journey because she's just giving me like one thing to think about, one thing to work on for like a while and has just been so supportive throughout this entire thing. And it just like makes you realize like, you know, age, race, religion, whatever, like doesn't, it does not matter. Like when you connect with someone and like they can help you, you can help them and inspire them. And that's all that really matters is like this shared love of golf that just connects you. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, the game literally can get you connected to people from, you know, nine to 99 years old. And, uh, it's one of the wonders of the game and it can be played forever. And, uh, and M I gotta, I gotta thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and, and hopefully your followers and our listeners got to know you a little bit better through this. Uh, let people know how to follow you and where to follow you online through social media. Like now? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give you, give a little self-promotion. <laughs> um, all I have is um my instagram the kosher panda the kosher panda apparently i like looked this up yesterday there's only like three of us on instagram and i'm the one that is the girl and you'll be able to tell and then <laughs> the girl if, if you're confused as to which kosher <laughs> panda it is it's the girl that's golfing not not the guy who posts a lot of cats <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I don't really, I don't tweet or whatever. I use TikTok to edit my videos. That's kind of embarrassing, but it's true. TikTok is like a great editing tool for like music and stuff that I put on my my posts. So that's really it. That's how you can reach me. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again. And as always, people, either get busy golfing or get busy dying. Thank you. Hey, what's good, podcast patrons? Dan from Leave the Pin here. Listen, if you want to look good on the course, if you want to hit the ball a mile and look damn good doing it, Gas House Golf is the company you need to get on board with ASAP. Gas House Golf, newest apparel company out there, making you look fantastic. Look, the shirts are fire, the hats are fire, everything they do, everything they touch looks great on the course. You want to stand out, you want people to notice you, want people to notice your game, get to gashousegolf.com. And right now, not only are they offering free shipping, they're also giving you an amazing 15% off code. Use our code, leave the pin, get 15% off all your purchases at gashousegolf.com. All gas, no break, Gas House Golf.